Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Curfew Boys. If you like what you hear, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any podcast platform you have. If you like our content, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you'd like to see our pretty faces, we are now on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's episode, I'm your host, Anxious Anthony. And with me, I got Statman Joe. Hey now. We got GQ Chris. And we have something special tonight. We have an old friend of ours. We got Angelo Fachabene. What's up, Angelo? Hey, guys. How, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective of uh, our dear Montreal Canadians this year. But before Perfect. we speak about the Montreal Canadians, I want to let something out. Um, before I do say what I want to say, I'm just going to add a bit of context. I see Joey smiling over there. So I just want to... You guys all know my relationship with Joey. You know, we've known each other for a really long time and uh, we like to pick on each other here and there. But there's one thing that Joey and I have since we uh, since our college days, basically. So we used to play cards a lot and, you know, the degenerate gambling here and there when we play Scala, we play Brisk. And there's something I hate about Joey. This guy has the biggest push oh, yeah, yeah. up his ass. <laughs> I know okay? So it's not about talent. It's just this guy is the luckiest guy. You want to bet with this guy, no matter what, on anything, this guy's going to win. That It is what it is. Joey just has this thing. Ask any of our friends. You call me skilled. I mean, that, that I mean we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it skill another time. But I think this guy just has a horseshoe up his ass. That being said. We're we're in our first ever fantasy football this year, and he's in our league. And of course, he's fucking first place again. Fucking luck, because uh, every time there's gambling with Joey. Speaking of that, Joey, you should bet on the Montreal Canadiens to lose every game this season. You might actually win. And that's true. I won bottom play. three. So, so anyways, <laughs> you never know, right? But anyways, all this to say, Joey's in first place in our pool. And if you guys know fantasy football. You play head-to-head week over week. And last weekend, it was Joey against me. Now, in fantasy football, they have a projection before the weekend starts. And I was actually projected to win, right? And I'm like, and I remember telling this to my wife. I'm like, I'm projected to win this, but knowing Joey is going to find a way to fucking win, okay? So I'm projected to win 135 to 101. This is the beginning of of Thursday night. Sunday afternoon, I'm still projected to win. His score is going down to like 98 projection, and I'm still at the 125, 130. Out of nowhere, the 4 o'clock games hit, and Joey has two special players that hit 40 points, and now he's projected to freaking win from 99 projection to 145, and I dropped to 120. I'm like, for God fucking sakes, this guy has to find a way to win and beat me once again. All this to say, Monday night came, and I beat Joey for the first time in my entire life. I can say I beat <laughs> Joey on something. So, anyways, I just want to let that out. Side um, note: I was missing my first overall pick, and I had three injuries. So okay, excuses. I picked excuses, a guy excuses, off waivers, excuses. and he got me thirty points. That skill, I tried. Excuses, my best. excuses. I beat Joey. That's it. That's all. Now let's talk about the Canadians. Let's talk about the Canadians. Guys, we're ten games in. Um, I want to hear. You know, the good and the bad. I know we keep saying we want them to lose. We want them to lose. And our, it's going to be a long season because even yesterday, Sammy, sorry, this morning, the first thing Sammy wrote was Habs lost, Florida lost. It's a good night. I'm like, but we're, we're not even like, we just started November. We still have like, what, seven months left of this season. If we're going to look at the standings and now it's going to be a long, long year. But I get it. We want to lose and we want to accumulate those, not to accumulate too many points so we can, Get the top 10 draft picks. But I want to hear your thoughts. Um, Joey. Yes. I mean, what, what do you think about last night's game first? Uh, you know what? I wasn't here for the St. Louis game. And, you know, I hate when they win. Everybody knows that by now. But they actually played very well. And I was I was happy to see how they played. They played a they played a speed game. And we were just talking about this before we started the episode. They played a, a speed game. And they continue this. I know they lost 4-1 uh, against Minnesota. Uh, it didn't look, I mean, for people who actually watched the game, it didn't look like they were badly outplayed. They had a bad second period, sure, but I mean, in hockey, no one ever plays a full 60 unless, you know, you're one of the top contending teams, but they played with speed 
And I thought they played well in transition and they didn't look out of place, especially against a team they lost. I think it was eight straight. So another nice goal from Suzuki set up on the power play. I'm really starting to get more impressed with Doc and I'm actually getting impressed with how their power play is. Suzuki's not impressed me anymore because he is what he is and he's just that good and same with Caulfield. So, I mean, Caulfield has seven goals and he's, I think he's tied for, I think he's third because there's a few guys at eight. I mean, those guys are just keep progressing and the kids are playing better. So they had a decent game. I'm glad they lost, but I think they played well and they weren't outplayed. So that's my take on it. And I want to see that for the rest of the season. And I hope we keep losing, but losing playing entertaining hockey. Well, speaking of, of what, I mean, I want to hear uh, Angel's perspective since he's new on the show. I want to hear what, I mean, you know, as of course, Joey just said it, he wants them to lose. Every yeah. episode, Chris and I said we want to lose. I want we want to hear what what you what you want to see this season. But not to necessarily see them lose or to see them win. They just they got to play the right way together and uh, have something to work on moving forward. So that's what you're kind of seeing with uh, Saint Louis. What he's trying to instill, like some sort of system. You know, he doesn't like to call it a system, but uh, that transition game where it's almost a trap that you want to get the other team playing at your game because especially right now with the deficiencies at D, it's very young, very inexperienced. You don't want to spend time in your zone. You want to get the puck out. You want to spend time more in their zone, make them transition. It's an easier game for your guys to play. So like right now at this point, it's mostly the young guys playing. There's not a lot of vets, like guys like Drouin and they're getting 12, 13 minutes a night. They're not really taking away the ice time from the young guys. So at this point, if you're still winning games, you're winning them with the young guys. It's not the vets that are carrying it. And, you know, you're kind of setting yourself back because you want to develop that winning culture. Because you look at teams like Edmonton that only now, after 10, 15 years, you're starting to see the fruits of the labor. You know, the same thing with Buffalo. Like, they're kind of getting there. But you don't want to go through those dark 10, 15 years like in Arizona, for, for an example, you know? So I don't mind winning kind of like when uh, Bergevin did his retool where he got rid of all the vets and he kind of let the young guys play. And, you know, we almost made the playoffs the first year. But what are you going to do? You're going to start trading all your young pieces. You got to play them. They're young. You still got rid of the vets and we still played well. So sometimes it's good to drop for a generational talent. Obviously, this is one of the deepest drafts since, uh, I don't know, probably all 3 they're calling it. So... Yeah, it would be good to get a top 10 pick. I really don't see this team making the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be not even close to as bad as as last year, which is bottom of the barrel. I'd say more bottom 10, bottom 15 they'll finish than bottom five. And after watching this uh, team, and just to touch on it, uh, I actually have to agree. I don't think it's as bad as being bottom three. Maybe we don't know yet, but the the defense, the young defense and the young forwards are progressing a little quicker than I expected, especially the core on defense with Gooley, uh, Jackeye, Harris, who's been impressing. Even Kovacevic hasn't been too bad, and we're, we're still missing Matheson and Edmondson. They're going a little quicker than what I thought. Yes, I would like them to be at the bottom because, like Angel said, it's going to be a deep draft, but it doesn't seem that way. And they're playing fun hockey, so they... The model I liked, what I saw was Ottawa, where they were going the right way, but they were losing games. Like Whether they win or lose, that's where they have to be going, and the young guys got to be the ones to play and have fun. And St. Louis try, starting to find an identity. I said I wanted to see more from St. Louis, and I think he's starting more and more to have some sort of identity or system, which, like Andrew said, doesn't call it really a system. So saw it against St. Louis, and I saw it against Minnesota as well. So we're trending towards the right direction. Yeah, and just to say, like, you're seeing his influence now just with the power play since he, like, kind of took over the duties last week. And you're kind of seeing a different style, a lot more passing, a lot more movement. But at the same time, not holding it and having that perimeter play, like, one-two pass shoot, one-two pass shoot, recover, pick it up, you know. And like, there's a lot more happening. Yes, and keep Slavkowski on the power play. It's been much more positive since he's been there since he than he's been not. So... so Speaking of that, so I'm gonna ask Chris this question first. Ten games in, what are what surprised you? What is I mean, I know it's still early, but what is 
Let's start with the surprises. What surprised you, Chris, in the first 10 games? What are you seeing now that you didn't expect from the beginning? Uh-huh. Or... Yeah. I'm I'm cheating and I'm going back to an answer that I gave last episode because it's by far the most surprising element or the two surprising elements are David Savard and Sam Montambo when he's got time in nets because those guys I was expecting to perform so badly yet I got to give credit where credit is due. David Savard has been making key blocks. He's been he's been excellent on the penalty kill. Um, the penalty kill has been a lot better than last year. That was a huge, huge, huge improvement. And I'm, I'm surprised. I don't like that tight box in front of the net right away. When I saw it, I'm, I'm a believer. You attack the point, you pressure the guys on the point. You don't give them that time to shoot and set up. And for some reason it's working. So I guess the penalty kill, David Savard, uh, Sam Montambo, but I don't want to say jokes aside, those were the most unexpected elements, but I I think it's just the number of young guys that are carrying the team and the number of veterans that are completely, I don't want to say useless, but ineffective. I looked uh, like when Suzuki scored yesterday, obviously we're happy. That's exactly what we said we wanted to see. We wanted to see the young, talented guys put up points. So I was very happy when I saw that puck go in the net. But a few seconds later, Gallagher had a breakaway. And you're like, okay, this could be this could completely change the outcome of the game. 3-2, could they come back? Gallagher gets the breakaway and he just he does so, what so. recent Gallagher does. And he completely screwed it up. And it was I was like, okay, that's the game. We lost. That's fine. But again, we're trying to balance that. We have to lose the season, but there's always that excitement of holy, like, okay, they can come back in the game, they could win. And when Gallagher did that, it's just to go back to your initial question, it's it's just amazing how many times a game we look at the veterans not contributing, not being able to do anything. And then a few seconds later, you have a rookie, whether it be on defense or on offense, doing something that we didn't expect them to be doing for another two to three seasons. So I guess that, in a nutshell, is uh, it's just all the guys that we didn't expect to be doing great stuff are doing great stuff, and all the guys that we should be expecting to be doing the great stuff are underwhelming. Well, I mean, well said, and I'll say the same thing in many words, but to me, what's what's surprising me, and it's not that it's a big surprise, it's just surprising how early it started. Now, Look, Suzuki and Caulfield are killing him. And we said at the beginning, our first episode, we had predicted how many, who's going to hit 31st. Is there going to be any 30 goal scorers, et cetera, et cetera. I know it's still early and they can go on a slump very soon, but usually for young kids, the slump starts early and then they start progressing because the experience kicks in and they get more, you know, involved. But it's 10 games in and I think they're, they're projected at this point to get, they're both projected, Suzuki and Caulfield, to have an 80-point season. If they continue this route, this route, they're putting points every single game. Our first is But that's the thing. Like <laughs> I know it's still early to talk about it, but at this rate, this so early in, that's what surprised me of how fast they started. Another thing that surprised me too is, you know, we always say it, and we said it last year too, Joey and Chris, you know, remember I used to scream, let the kids play, let the kids play. They're finally doing that. They're fine. Like saying, like you said before, the veterans are not playing as much. They're not performing as much because you're seeing the Drouin, the vets playing 12, 13 minutes a game, and you're seeing the young players hitting the, you know, those 20 minutes. I'm really happy to see that. And then, you know, like Angel said at the beginning, they're trying to build that winning culture. Even though it's not the year we want to make the playoffs, they're starting to get that winning culture in their mindset right now. Now, like what I said last time I spoke in the episode was, I think they're all excited. They're all young. They have a lot of energy. The inexperience is going to kick in very soon, I hope. Uh, only for the, the losing, right? Not that I want the inexperience to kick in because I don't want them to perform. Is I think right now the reason why we see them playing so well is because they're excited. They're having fun. That's the one thing that I think that's my, my view on the identity that St. Louis wants for this team is go out there and have fun. And eventually, you know, more traveling, more late games when we start playing the West, more games kicking in for these young players, I think the inexperience is going to kick in and that's when they're going to start dropping. 
but you never know. We'll see. Yeah, that's so. that's going to be the the problem with the team all year is on the road, especially if they're a small team. Uh, they could just get smothered. There's just those games where it's, nothing's going to happen. Uh, the other team's going to control. They're going to get the line matches. So it's something you have to expect as exactly as the season goes on. And what uh, what what surprises you at uh, at this stage right now, uh, Angelo? From I thought they would be really putrid defensively, to be honest. Like I, I, I thought Gouli was going to be really good. Harris, uh, judging from the games he played last year, I thought he was a step above all the other defensive prospects who are getting hyped about. But, uh, you know, Jack is a bit of a revelation. I still think he could benefit from some time in Laval. We'll see once the lineup gets healthy, but that's another conversation for later. But, yeah, just overall, the team uh, defense, uh, whenever I see a team with a <laughs> with a defensive core that's like 20 three and under right it's just gonna end up bad and they've been holding their own Savard stepped up a bit uh Gouli like I said I really had confidence the way he played in junior last year every time I see him on the ice he looked like uh he looked like he belonged even at 20 years old 19 years old he probably could have made the team last year to be honest but because of the COVID and all this they missed so much time it was more beneficial from him going down but uh, yeah, that's uh, mostly the defense. I thought the guys that are scoring are going to score. The guys that are struggling, pretty much struggling. I expect a bit more from Dandanov. Uh, I thought, well, wherever this guy went, he at least scored goals, but uh, he loses every battle, uh, barely makes a pass, uh, no hustle, no effort. I think maybe I expected a bit more from him to at least have a bit more value to trade him further down the line. Well, Joey, you can uh, speak on that. I know you wanted to speak on that. And then, uh, what's what? Like, what do you what do you think is going on with this guy? Yeah, uh, look, uh, they mentioned that he's had flu-like symptoms, but for days they've been speculating that Dandenoff is either going to go on waivers or they're looking to trade him because I don't know if everybody knows Hughes. Uh, Hughes has been reported that Edmondson is close to coming back, and if he comes back, they're going to cut a forward, not the defenseman. They want to keep all those defensemen. And I think this is a good indication that Slavkovsky staying. He hasn't played his nine games, but yeah. he, he's probably saying so. Dandanov might be the guy they might send down if they cannot trade him or Pazetta. But Dandanov lately, even he has said in an interview that he has to play better. Like Andrew mentioned, he hasn't won puck battles, can't make passes. And this wasn't the Dandanov that played last year. Maybe last year had a bit more support. You know, they had better talent up front. But he's just not been the same player. But everywhere he's played, he produced at least yeah, modestly. You know that's why it's like then you exactly. see him play here, and it's like what what happened? You know, it's, it's like yeah, it's like Chris said. <clears throat> everyone forward wise, besides you know what, besides one veteran, I'm going to be very surprised at who I'm going to say. Besides one guy who's actually I'm not not that I'm saying I'm wrong about, just he is turning a corner is Dvorak for some reason. <laughs> You I, don't was want Gallagher. I, was, I was actually very scared you were going to say Gallagher for some reason. No, 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 no. Forget him. He <laughs> okay. would have more points if it wasn't for Gallagher. Like he, if you guys watched yesterday, he set him up on two, three golden opportunities, including the breakaway. It was one way he waved one, one shot. Like he missed completely. Yeah. He found on it to hit he his feet. It. Yeah. It's just like, anyways, but you know, he's besides Dvorak. I say the other veterans, and that includes Dandenoff, Hoffman, Drouet, especially, they just haven't been keeping up with the the young guys. It's just been like such a step. Anderson's been kind of in the middle. He's been well, he had two winning goals, goal. right? In ten games, he has yeah, two winning yeah, goals. he's been okay. He's, he's not still, like uh, one of the worst. Not worried about him. The best. Anderson, he's north south. He shoots. Uh, exactly. He's gonna get you twenty to twenty five goals and maybe ten assists. That's exactly. just what he is. Uh, not he gets 30. you twenty. It's a good. It's a not, good season. Not thirty, right, Angelo? He's not gonna get thirty goals. No, no. Not, not on this team. Sorry. I say no, this I don't think I don't think he gets thirty. I think he could get thirty. I don't think this year. I say this. There, there's an injury coming. Uh, you know. You know what's gonna happen. Uh, we we have these friendly bets, Angelo. If you don't know from the beginning <laughs> of the pod, that uh, we we some people, including Chris and his and Sam, uh, predicted three thirty goal scorers on the half, and one of them being Anderson. Exactly. That's why Steve and Anthony. Yeah, yeah. And I called them all delusional because there's only gonna be one. It's gonna be Caulfield. <laughs> 
I'm I'm hitting maybe two. Two I'm Suzuki, Suzuki and Caulfield. Suzuki yeah, and Caulfield. I think Suzuki uh, is one of those the third, the third was going to be Anderson or sorry, Zook and Sam predicted Gallagher, which I call them delusional right off the bat because I don't think. Oh well, look, Joy, you know how much I hate Gallagher, but like I have to admit, he's, he's having a not having a good season, but he's definitely more engaged. He's faster. He, he makes is. better plays. I, I don't know who hates Gallagher <clears throat> more between me and you, but yes, I will <laughs> agree that he, he is. He is more engaged, but the goals he scored so far, uh, I just... I but those, that's, that's what he's going to score right now. Yeah, he's not going to carry into the zone and snipe it. Uh, he's I, never that player. And, uh, well, hold on. Gonna... A question, though, for both of you, yeah. since both hate Gallagher. <laughs> I don't know if we asked this question already probably the Alzheimer's here at this age, but do you guys hate Gallagher as a player or his contract? There's a difference. Or it was, It's wow. tied in. To me, it's one thing. It's, <clears throat> it's tied in. The player is part of the contract, and the fact that he makes $6.5 million and the way he scored goals, that's not the... I'm not going to say the successful way to score, but that's not how you can score 30 goals a year. You can't score 30 goals a year the way he scores. And if you're getting paid $6.5 million and you're considered a scorer... No, we all know that contract came out of right. Look, the, the contract had to have been given. If it wasn't Bergevin, it was going to be another GM in the league. I'm 100% confident in saying that. But the thing with Gallagher, and it was prior to his injury, is just like, yeah, players are players, they're humans, this, that, whatever. But in the end, when you're managing a team, you have to look at them as an asset. And this guy just put himself through hell. Like, did even look at that shift yesterday? Where he was taking a beating, he was getting cross checked left and right, yeah. Spurgeon interfered with in the, the middle of the ice. Like, that's his whole career without getting calls. You know, he got the goals, the greasy goals. Then the two the two broken hands, like, you know, after he came back and I think he had, like, his first 30-goal season and then the second one, like, as a asset manager, you should be, like, selling right there. Like, Bergevin got too attached to the emotional Gallagher player, the potential future captain, and all that. And that's when they had to sell, sell high. Because now, when he was at 3.3, amazing. He, he lived out that contract. He couldn't ask for better. He got a 30-goal scorer for three seasons, uh, even 20, 25, his other seasons. Like, you got a huge bang for your buck. But then, now you're getting his worst years at his highest price. Joey and Angelo, uh, I'm not going to throw my, my towel into the ring and, or I'm not going to throw my card into the ring and, uh, and fight you for Gallagher hatred title, but uh, <laughs> for the Gallagher hatred title, but I've evidently bashed Gallagher a significant amount of times here on the show. And I think, you know, going back to Anthony's original question, is it the contract or is it the player? Back in the day, contra- uh, back in the day, Gallagher was a little bit of a shit disturber, but he was getting those goals. So you remember a few games ago when they played Minnesota, he had his helmet flicked off and he's yelling at the ref and he's going back to the bench. And, you know, it's somewhat of a scene on the ice. At least back then you were able to say, okay, look, this guy, we're counting on this guy to score goals. He is, in fact, producing. He's important to our team. He is that spark. But he's he's far from that spark. He's a distraction at this point in time. So not, not only is he a financial liability for this team, he is a liability on the ice more and more because he can't produce. And he's still attracting that same distracted, like distracting and... fucking play, pardon my French. But and yeah. he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. It's been his whole career. He never got a better rapport with the refs. Like we're not gonna get the call. Like he just like yeah. I don't know. That's why I thought he should never be captain because you have to be like a bit. He more didn't respectful. have the maturity as a captain. He had the heart as a captain, but not the maturity level of a captain. Yeah, exactly. I'll say yeah, the maturity in the he was on the ice. Yeah, he was. He complained a lot. Like what what did it for me was that penalty when he was on the bench. That to me is what took it over the top. I'll never forget <laughs> last year's penalty. Yeah, that, that you catch in beer league uh, ball hockey in RDP, and I shouldn't <laughs> happen in NHL. Exactly, exactly. Fair point, but. That's what it is on Gallagher. Every time I come on the show, I always make. We, always <laughs> we, have, we, have, to, we have to bring up a Gallagher course, topic every single episode. I will. But, I will say, Anthony. Uh, surprisingly, I, I'm sorry I didn't mention him, but a, a vet besides Dvorak that's been doing okay. Actually, there's been a surprise. Doesn't mean he's been like crazy amazing, but he's surprised a bit given his injuries. He's come back to play well, and he's keeping his value for trade down. And it's actually Sean Monahan. So I'll I'll give a a small shout out to him. 
for all the injuries he's went through between his hips, his wrists, he went through a lot and he looked really bad in Calgary. And when we took him, I'm like, okay, you know, we're taking him to get a first rounder. But now I said, holy shit, we got him with the first rounder to take that contract. That's not too bad. If we trade him for a good asset and he plays the way he does all year, I'd love to sign him at maybe half his deal over the summer. So another shout out to Monam. I thought he's been doing pretty well for the first 10 games. Well, speaking of 10 Three. games, uh, sorry, Chris? Oh, I just said agreed with Joey. Oh, okay. Uh, speaking of 10 games, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's safe to say the rookies are staying. You guys think that? Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think uh, Jack Kai might go down once both are healthy. If there's no yeah, other injuries, yeah. one is going to be Ed- forward, and one's going to be maybe Jacka or defenseman. Yeah, because Kova, Chich, whatever, he's pretty good. Like I like him. He carries the puck. He moves it up. Uh, he makes good reads. He wins those 50-50 battles. Uh, nothing too flashy. Kind of like a Kulak, but bigger and more physical. Nothing he's- flashy, but gets a gets the job done. Is he our Pitlick of the year? Like the gem we find on waivers. Actually, speaking of disappointments, uh, he brought a yeah, pit but that's uh, yeah. one of the big disappointments also. He looks slow. He looks like he, I don't know, he's playing injured or something because he's not as quick as last year. I agree. And I think it might be because of injury because it's definitely not because of age. So No, he's still relatively young, you know. But yeah, he could be like the, not steel waiver pickup, but a nice solid player that you can have on your team for the next three, four years, you know. And we, we he feels in that five. six, seven yeah, we seem to find one of those every year on waivers, or once every couple of years at least. We seem usually to always find those. Usually, it's around the, the it's those players you don't want to cut, but you have no choice, and right. they have no, they have no value because every team knows you're going to put them on waivers. So every team has one or two of those players. Like you know, people were scared we we're going to lose Pizzetta, You know, like uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't buy. Too. He's been like that was the thing. Skate. We had him around. Yeah, he, he hasn't been skating the same way. He hasn't been hitting. He's He hasn't been fighting. That's why he was here. He was that element last year. Jacki is doing that now. Going back to what Anthony was asking before, I, I think Jacki has been making worse passes as the season has kind of progressed. Unfortunately, the, those first games seemed very poised. He seemed to have time on the puck. He was making great passes seeing the game better, but in the past two, three games, he's been a but little take, underwhelming. Yeah, but like, it takes like three, four games for like the NHL to adjust, because then they're going to watch uh, one game of footage, okay, just pressure this guy, he handles the puck like a grenade, he's going to turn it over. That's exactly yeah. what's been happening, he has to handle the pressure, and that's why I think he would benefit from the, the AHL, because he has a bit of offensive upside in his game which mm-hmm. I think he can develop over there more than in the NHL. But the argument to keep him is because we don't have anyone with that physicality. <laughs> I loved what he did at the end of the game yesterday. After I'm not saying, by the way, Slapkovsky, you have to stay strong on your skates. You can't stand up at uh, um, um, the guy's height. You can't stand up on your skates straight. Like You just become a tower asking to be pushed over. But... Uh, I'll say this much. Still loved. I still love the fact. I can't take it away to see him go up to Rossi and just throw toss him around, kind of, uh, you know, just send a little bit of a message, like you know, yeah. regardless, you're not going to get away with that. So, um, yeah. So I mean, another thing that I I I noticed, and I'm sure you, I I don't know, I don't know what it is this year, but again. I'm so excited to see this team develop. And from what I'm seeing on the ice right now, which we haven't seen in a really long time, and I think if we would have seen this back in um, the year we went to the quarterfinals, no, semifinals against Philly. What year was that? We went to this, uh, the conference finals against Philly. Yeah, so all the way back. Yeah, that's a long Pompkastopolis. Pompkastopolis Habs. What we were missing then, because we had the talent and speed, but we didn't have any grit. We had no size, right? And that's why we lost against Philadelphia, because we beat the top teams like the Crosbys and the Ovechkin. Halak, Halak, yes, but we had you know speed. We were able to beat the speed teams, but we were not able to beat the big teams. Now, what I'm seeing on the ice is we have talent, we have speed. And God, we have size. And some of the size still have speed. You know, like, 
I was watching yesterday's game and I haven't seen these big guys on the ice playing against Minnesota. I'm like, I've never seen this before. So imagine that in 2010, big chance would have beat Philadelphia, but right? Anthony, what I don't want, and this is what I always want, I don't want to be outshot by 50 because this is known to be Montreal. Be outshot by 50 and win the game. I'm, hard- I'm, not, I'm not talking about the outshooting back then. I know we were... I, I you year. know how much I hated that. You're like, yeah, I hate no, no, no. I, my I, language. You it's, know how it's still fun, Joey. I can't. I can't. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not saying much. I want that. I guess I, I brought I, I and I started that conversation wrong. I'm not saying I want that, right? Like having a go to like how like stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're saying we had I'm seeing right now on the ice is that speed and the size mix. We do have a balance. We have a much good, more of a balance. A very good balance. And it's just it's just going to be fun to watch this team develop. And once we're there, once we become that contending team, if we still have that balance and that mix, like I've been saying, we're going to have a, a scary team. Well, to comment on that, I think Hughes might actually find the right balance because what Bergevay did is we got beat up by Boston, Philadelphia because we were too small. What does he do from being too small and skilled? We go too big, getting guys like uh, Ottawa, Douglas, Murray. <laughs> Douglas Murray. Just nobody can skate anymore. No, but that, we, was, that was Ottawa. When we that lost was Ottawa. Ottawa. Yes, you're actually right. And we got beat up by Ottawa. We got we signed all these guys to become physical, and then we're too slow. And, and then we bent, then we benched Murray uh, for uh, Boldier against uh, Boston in the Boston, quarterfinals we, that we swept exactly, the rest of the games. Exactly, it's like there was no balance. It's like we're we're completely small, getting beat up, and then we went too big. And we drafted, remember, we drafted Michael McCarron. I just we need to be just be smart about that. Was teams. that was one yeah. of the things of Bergevin's era? He was very reactive instead of very, proactive. Exactly. You know. Exactly. But I don't think we, uh, I don't think we have to worry. About, I don't think we have to worry about that now with the management we have. I, I mean, we're we already see it. You know, these guys are smart. But they know let, what they're doing. Let's let, be fair to Bergevin. Like a lot of the prospects we're talking about all come good. from like the retool again. We'll use whatever they language they use. So thanks for but giving credit came... to Bergevin because Joy does not want to give one. <laughs> no, I'm praise. I mean, he drafted. I mean, Caulfield fell on his lap. Like, okay, it fell on Philly's lap. It fell on a lot of people's laps, and people skipped true. over that's him. True. He, he, look, he drafted him. He traded for Suzuki. Like he did some good things. The reactive things with the contracts, the emotions. He signed that guy. He drafted Gouli. Like this he is was still bad with contracts. Just uh, sorry, he was bad with contracts. Good with trades and signing drafts, right? And he knew how to keep assets because even with some of those trades. He always said it in his press conferences. He does not want to get rid of his future. You know, like the year before when we had that $10 million salary or at the trade deadline, people would question, what are you doing? Why aren't you? Why don't we trade for a goalie? Why don't we trade for this? And his response was always, I have good uh, uh, prospects waiting to come up and I'm not touching my assets. Right. That was a smart thing he did. And now they're coming to shine. What? Yeah. What Angelo brought up, though, is the reactive part, which would just bother me about Bergevin. That's the part that showed his bad side. And it, it just, like, I think it overcame a lot of the good he did because coach uh, GMs always need to be more proactive and think long-term. And I don't know, maybe because I see it, not not that I say I, I know everything about the Habs or like you guys do, but sometimes if I see something and then it happens, like, I mean, if I could see it, why couldn't he see it? But anyways, we don't know the back end. Like, I'll never get over, and this is what we'll see coming up, is him drafting Mayu not because of the scandal. Yes, that's uh, the thing that happened in Sweden, I get it. Not not that part, but w- there were two uh, there were two goalies projected in the first round, and I can never get over Bergevin. I don't think he attempted for it. And what happened now, Carey Price is injured, and to me, we're kind of scrambling for a new number one goalie because we're not there yet. But it's something that he could have put in our prospect, in our prospect system to draft... So it just things like that that I don't know. Maybe he could have seen, or maybe something happened, but it just you know, never came came about with him. Well, well look, my my you got a pro contract this year, so this management sees yes, it's something not in him. You know, of Mayu, it's the, <clears throat> it's the fact that there and it's unheard of to have two uh, first round value goaltenders there, and you know, Price's history, and I don't know, he just didn't act upon it. So it's just like, I just hope Mayu turns out great and these goalies, like, it, I just don't want to regret it because we're not, right now we need a goalie, right? This is one yeah, thing. Yeah, and so do like 25 other teams in the league. It's just, right. it's not, it's it's just not a goalie league. Goalies, like, aren't good now. Yeah, but that's literally that's suck. We're, like, not, 
<laughs> you know, like Joey, I, I get, I, and, and we brought this up, I think, two episodes ago. Like, I get what you're saying, and you're right, but I think we're in an era where goalies could easily be found because you don't need. I guess okay. Let me rephrase that. We were very spoiled to have a carry price. Okay, we were very spoiled, and we always depended on the goalie for many years, and we never had a team in front. But we were all, but we only went so far every year because we had price, not because of the talent in the front. Price is the only guy in Halak who brought us very far. The moment Price got injured or this, right away we we, we crashed. Right, so because we got so used to having the goalie who had the team on his shoulders to now he's gone. We're all panicking like, oh, shit, we have no goalie. But there's so many other teams out there that have talented teams with no goalie. And they've been living that, that look at Toronto. Toronto, yeah. <laughs> amazing team on, on paper, but they have no goalie. And Colorado too last year, no goalie, but they still won with, you know, like, you know, yeah. again, you That's don't have, you just need a hot goalie at the end. So <clears throat> to me, if Mayu is projected to be sorry performs as he's projected to be a top talent player an elite player top four top four not elite he was 31st 32nd overall you know but even top four if he's a top four guy i rather that than again because we're so spoiled with the goalie right now i think i'm not that worried yet Anthony, well, if we get all that talent up front and then we become the reverse and then we're tied in the game 2-2 with 50 shots and somebody comes down on Montebo, <laughs> makes a 50-foot no. wrister that goes in, you know who I'm coming after. <laughs> okay, okay, Joey, that's that's where I got to draw the line, though. Um, you know, if we were depending on one man to save the whole team, if we get a roster full of players that are outstanding or even on the better spectrum. Let's, let's be honest and clear. We can get by with a good mediocre to good goaltender. I think there are a lot of teams that have proven in over the course of history that you can get away with. You need good goaltending when, when it comes time for it. Yeah, you, you do, but you don't need an outstanding goaltender. You need to like, if your goaltender can let in three or are fewer goals in a game in a playoff game while your team's rolling like look at chicago they won with niemi and nets they were winning like carolina against us in 2008 look at us in 2008 against carolina they beat cam ward their third string goalie was yeah never played a game in the nhl he won the stanley cup like you just need a hot street goalie and I don't want to use Toronto as an example because Marner and Matthews, they, they disappear. They're, they're pre-vacation. They're packing their bags ready to go golfing when the playoffs no, start. They're, they're, not, they're not showing up. They're not putting up those points. So they're not scoring those three, four goals a game that they do all season. And that's Toronto's defense is also another relative issue, and it has been for years. Like I don't like using them as examples, but they're – Tampa Bay aside, because Vasilevsky has become the next generation price. I and think Shisterkin. we can agree to I that. Was, I was thrilled. Yeah, Shisterkin, you know, he Shisterkin. broke out a bit later, you know. Like, Vasilevsky's going to have a much longer career. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying in that realm, like, I think... Yeah, well, guys yeah. that can play games. Because, like, right now, like, if any of you guys do fantasy, like, for goalies that are guaranteed to play 50, 60 games... Uh, there's not many. There's not More. many. Yeah, that's true. Not true. I just, uh, I, I know. I, like, for I, sure, for sure, you, you want a goalie that you can trust and count on. But on, I'm just yeah. saying, if you, if you put Jake Allen in front of the, or sorry, behind the Colorado Avalanche of last year, they're still winning the cup. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. And look, look at goalie prospects, how deceiving they can be. We have one in our system right now. It's, Caden Primo, where he looks like an all-star in Laval. In the playoffs, he carries them crazy numbers, but then he comes up to the NHL, and uh, he's scared of his own shadow. And uh, Until he he makes the first four or five saves... uh, I don't know what it is about Primo, because I had high hopes with this guy, and I still do, for some reason. Look, he he was good at every level. It just he hasn't made the jump yet. Goalies take long time. I'm not 100% sold on him. I'm just saying, like, this is what okay, so a goalie prospect you, is going to give you. Question for you, Ange, because I, I, I had this question a while back. Do you think the, the problem with Primo is that we're not giving him enough ice time in the NHL level? 
I mean, look, if this no, is the year, no, I think it was the opposite. I think last year he was like number four on the depth chart, assuming Price was supposed to start the season healthy, and he got thrown into games when he clearly wasn't ready. Because... If anything, it hurt his it hurt his development. He went back to Laval. He wasn't playing too too good. Picked up a bit of steam at the end of the year. Had that little playoff run. Looked a bit better this year, but like, but that's to me how I see it is if. Again, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if this is the season that they just want to have fun and let the kids play and whatever happens, happens, if that's their mindset this year to not contend and not make playoffs, then why did you even sign Montemo or Primo? Like just, uh, sorry, Alan, like give Primo the chance this year as a backup and let him play 40 I, games. I lose Alan, I don't think. It's because, yeah, because you look, because like I've had this conversation with a bunch of other people and it's, if you want the team to develop, at least have that winning culture. And if you're losing games, like it can't be three nothing at the, the five minute mark of the game. And that's no, what yeah. it was. That's what it was last year. And like even watching it, imagine on the ice, like you're deflated. You're like, what the hell am I watching? Like, yeah. <laughs> like Mon- Monty, Monty was absolute garbage at the beginning of last season. Even Allen, like he's been solid with us for the beginning, but last season, look, everyone was garbage last year. Let's be honest. But at least even at the, the games early on this season, like even against Detroit where we got completely annihilated, if it was, you know, last year's Jake Allen and Nets and not this year's, uh, it's a 5 nothing game and then you're not learning anything. At least it was tight for the majority of the game and you get to have play those important situations and that's how you develop. That's how I feel you develop. Yeah, if you if you have Primo this year, I call him the ultimate tanker because that's that's really yeah. But then then you're still killing the kid that might still have a bit of potential. Yes, you know, look at look at Lindgren. He's found a backup role in the league, and he stole starts last year. Uh, you know, these guys take long. Fukali got starts last year. <laughs> yeah, I remember he had that hot start when he came in. But yeah, yeah. It's, true. it's true. It's true. Look, I, I've I've said Primo. I don't think he'll be the number one like people expect him to be. No. But, if, but if you want him to make it, if you're putting him, I would love it for the tank reasons. But I'm not the player on the ice, so see, for the tank reasons, I pick up a, a career minor leaguer over a young kid. Exactly. I would uh, like a ham, Joey... like a hamburger like last year. Like that was the perfect move. Just have a guy that can at least save pucks, so Primo could play in the minors instead of either sitting on the bench or getting destroyed uh, on the ice. So that's right. It's a momentum I killer. It... You're right. It's a confidence and momentum killer. I, I see that side of it, but I also see the side of experience and I don't know. I, I mean, we rush, we, we've rushed so many young players before and yeah. I guess I think that's what the issue is here, but I'm not sure if that's the issue with Primo or if it's the inexperience with Primo because the guy has potential. Like, look how, like you said it before, Ange, like last year, he killed it in the AHL. He, he killed in the playoffs. He was the carry price for Laval Rockets. And then you put him in the NHL and he's scared of his own shadow, like you said. So yeah, he, like, but like, even in the preseason, it's like, okay, he'll play solid. He'll make a couple of good saves, this, that. And then it's like, oh, he's covering the puck. It comes, goes to a slow blocker and then it just bounces over his head and goes in. Or it squeaks in on the post, like these plays where they're not supposed to happen, but is it really your fault or not? But the fact that they happen often when you're in nets, it just it's it's yeah. a nerves thing. I it's like a mental thing. And Anthony, these are things. Said, these are goals that shouldn't be going in. That's right. I don't know who said if it was the athletic or Eric Angles on Sports that they said that they're going to locker room. They're having fun now, so it's not something I, I think they found what they need, and I don't think they're gonna. Oh no, no, anytime soon. but you're gonna see slowly as the season progresses. Uh, some of the forwards uh, in Laval, they're gonna be a bit more NHL ready. Then you're gonna get rid of the Dandanov, potentially the Jouin, uh, potentially the Monahan, no, and then these are... guys are gonna get the ice time. I think now I'm done giving excuses and hope for Drouin. He's done. Like, he's done. He's finished. I want, I, I don't know. He's just, he's not, I don't know. Nah, I don't know. career in Europe, I think. I think the guy is just going to nah, take he'll a nice team. No, nah, he's going to find a team. He's still enough. The reason we hate him so I, much is because we're so, like, attached to that trade, which was horrible. And then we look at the number, uh, salary cap number, and then, you know, Majority of the time, when he was healthy, he was playing at a fifty-point pace, which is like respectable. But that's but... why I don't, I don't fully hate Drouin. I just, he's just like 
it's he frustrating me because I, I see the potential and I know when he's healthy and he has his mindset in the game and he wants to have fun, the guy can kill it. He he's a he's I know he could. So that's why I'm angry because is it because he's a lot of pressure in Montreal? Is he just because he doesn't want to play here anymore? He's, he's mad at something or someone? I don't know. To me, that's the immaturity of this player. I think he's just because nice. he, you know, was... remember remember when he wasn't getting the contract in uh, Tampa, then you didn't want to go to the AHL. Like there was always like a little something something going on with him, the mental game. You know, he needs a new scenery. To me, I think it's... maybe he needs a new scenery. Look, I. He does things on the team that, you know, they're not the flashiest, but that I think that no one else does. Like, he does those little one-touch passes in the neutral zone that keeps the rush going or those little that little seam passes. Like, no one other than Andre Markov is going to make that pass across that he made the, I think it was Caulfield on that game-time goal a couple of games ago. Like, yeah, there's, there's there. And, like, on the power play now, too, he's getting a bit more looks. He could distribute. And then he does that one soft play, and it's like, ah. There's a lot of little things. That, you know, <laughs> he does a lot of little things that a regular fan, and I'm not here to insult uh, our our fan base, but you know, people like us who analyze the game and see little little details, we catch those things, and that's what I catch on on a game to game basis. Yeah. And that's why it frustrates me to see that he doesn't perform the level that I think he can, because when you catch those little things that he does. You know, that no one else sees, and then they just shit on him because they shit on him. Oh, uh, he just won't get credit for anything at this he won't point. Get credit it's, for it's better, it's better for him not to be on the team. Like I like the guy, but just for himself because, and but that's the thing. I love and the guy this. and I know his potential, and he's just not giving it. So that's why I'm saying I'm done with him because it's been what four years now, three years that we're doing this podcast, and every big first fucking episode I keep saying this is the year for Drouin. This is the year for Drouin. And every year, I was like, okay, this is his contract year. Or, you know, Martin St. Louis is going to help him perform. And and then I'm not I'm not happy, you know? So that's why I'm at that point where I'm fucking done giving this guy excuses. But when I analyze the game and I see him play, he, he has the potential. He just, I guess, what Joey said, new scenery. But then again, he's going to go somewhere else and act the same way because he was that with Tampa. He was never- with Tampa, didn't like his salary, and then fuck. You know, you never know. His next team might be his last chance, so maybe he'll shape up. But I think here it's done because he could do a, a great plays, ten great plays. He does that one bad play, it's over for him. I just yeah, think he's another Gatsenyuk. Pretty much the Pretty third much. O- third overall pick, also. That's right. But I have I have one thing that you kind of piques my interest with him too. I don't know if you guys saw him coming into training camp and everything. He looked out of shape. And he didn't play the first few games of the season either. I wonder, I just wonder, and I'm saying it just like that. I wonder if uh, the coaching staff was kind of frustrated because he didn't take the offseason as seriously as he should have. And I, I'm just wondering to see if there's going to be a progression on his part over the course of the season. Because as as rough as it has started, he still has been showing just slightly more every game. It could be. It could be. He had a he had a rough end of last season, right? He had some personal issues, right? So maybe he didn't get in shape as he should be. Uh, I hope he has the attitude to change it because I don't think it's going to fly with Marty. I don't think with St. Louis it's going to fly at all. And it hasn't been. He, he's been, you know, he hasn't played every game. So uh, it's been getting a little better, maybe. But yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know how to judge it. It's just it's, he hasn't shown any. I don't know how to say it. Has he shown anything like mentally that he wants to do everything for this team? I don't know. And it's hard mm-hmm. to say. It's really hard I, to say. Look, at a certain yeah. point, I think the hustle's there. You know, it's like he's trying, but, you know, he's not going to become a defensive wizard at uh, 27 years old, 28, exactly. whatever. You know, it's like he, he, even as a fan's expectation, like what do we expect from him? Like right now at this age, knowing what we know about him for as long as he's been on the team, like we're no one should be expecting that ninety point uh, Drouin superstar that Tampa drafted. More realistic, you know, you still want him in, I would say forty to fifty five point range. As long as he gets the passes, he controls a power play. But it's like the expectations of Drouin. Like he's not gonna battle in the corners. He's not gonna. He's not gonna go battle in the net like Gallagher taking a beating. Like he's gonna play on the outside. He's gonna do those passes, those nifty passes, those nifty plays. Every now and then, you'll get a deke. And if he puts up the points or not, well, that's uh, 
maybe uh, less... if he wants to get paid or not. <laughs> right. And maybe less year okay. as the years go on because he hasn't shown as much as he should. Generally, I think the fans always just expect more than what he brings. They just generally expect it. But, but is it realistic what they expect? That's like at this point, it's like I don't, you have it's, to know he's, he's not gonna be that superstar. It's it's I, not I in him. So. I don't think he's good. I don't think they're expecting him to be a superstar, but I still don't think they're they're realistically expecting what he's doing now. I don't think they they do. I think I'm seeing general fan base, maybe the ones no, but, I'm, I, but I'm I'm guilty. I'm I'm one of those guilty ones. I do have high expectations for this guy because I've been waiting since the day that they signed him. We lost Sergachev for him. I was at, at that time, I wasn't actually disappointed. I was disappointed, yes, because I was scared of that whole, you know, um, Play I center. Be, you know, but no. then again, when Drouin came, I was like, I'm like, okay, no, you know what? I think we got that generational French player that this, this, this city wants, <laughs> right? And that, and then I always had high hopes because of that. And that was, again, every year I expect him to have that high expectation, like you said, Joe. I think. I'm one of those fans that have too much. My expectation for him is too high, but maybe what he's doing now is his limit, and I should accept it. But Anthony, what? Okay, talking about those expectations, and then we got to move on from Drewing because if he's not going to be part of the future of the team, why is he going to be the future of our conversation? But when we said we're setting expectations on this player, he's. I think what we're all describing is he's a peripheral player. I think all of us can mutually agree. We're not expecting him to put up goals, but I guess expectations as fans, and these are reasonable. This guy should be able to set up anywhere between one to three decent to good scoring chances in a game through passing. Can we he agree kinda, with that? He does, because when you watch the highlight packages after the game, there's at least two, three plays where it comes off Drew Wayne's stick. You're just passing it to... A player that's not going to bury it. That's the problem. Especially if you're playing much lower in this lineup. There's not a lot of talent there. So then, is he, in fact, meeting expectations? Or Anthony... For me, I, I think, he, like, what I see, like, especially the first time he got healthy scratch, like, after his first little stretch. But, He's like, whatever. I, I really don't mind the, the scratching, because you have these vets, you have these players, put them in rotation, especially that you're trying to trade some of them. So, I don't mind that they're switching these guys in and out, but He's like, meeting I don't, I don't, expectations. I don't think he's meeting what yeah. the status was or what it was supposed to be. Like he's meeting it. Like he's half of what the, everyone expected him to be when he got. That's drafted. it. That's it. He's meeting the expectations now because, like I said, when you analyze the game and you see the game, he's he's doing what he needs to do and he's you know causing those, those he's creating those chances. But I think we all had that when we signed them years ago. We all said, oh, "Shit, this guy is our." Number one center, he's coming into the team. He's gonna be the he's French center. First problem. Like he's gonna be the guy, <laughs> the French top player of the team. I think that's what it is. And I think we're still there. And I think I just need to drop it and just accept what he is. Because again, I do not hate the guy. I do not personally I, I actually like Drouin. I just mm-hmm. expected more. On that note, let's move on. We're gonna wrap it up soon. So uh tomorrow to the fans listening tomorrow morning, tonight's game at 8 p.m. <laughs> Uh, against the Jets. Uh, we're 5-5, five and five, sixth in the Atlantic, and the Jets are 5-3-1, and one, second in the Central. What do you guys want to see tonight? And don't say you want to see them lose, Joey. We know, but what else? What, what Now we're going into game 11. Like, what do you guys uh, want to see? I think uh, Motombo's playing tomorrow. Yes. So, he's... yeah, he's supposed to be starting. I'd like a nice 5-4 uh, loss with a hat-trick from uh, Caulfield. <laughs> uh, goal from Slavkovsky and forces from Suzuki to rack up the points. No, but seriously, uh, continue how they're playing, like St. Louis and Minnesota. Like, don't get outplayed again on the road. Like, be impressive. They were impressive. You know, they played Buffalo, came on tempo, played well. But against St. Louis and Minnesota, I don't think they lost because of goaltending, really. I think, like, it finally, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't get like outshot by so much. They actually played like well, and it wasn't goaltending keeping in the game, it was a team effort. Just yeah. continue that going forward. Have the young players playing well, and I want to see them put up points with a loss. How unfortunately for me, but I want to see the young players continue to put up points, and I'm interested to see if Caulfield can keep up in the scoring race. Same thing. I want Caulfield and and Suzuki just keep putting points. But what I really want to see, to be honest, is Slav. Like I want him to start. Like he's playing very well. He's progressing. 
he's a lot better now than how he started the season. But I st- and now I want to see that puck go in the net more for him. Like I really want him. I think you'll see him more on the power play end because he's on the fourth line still. And like Angel said, right, it's you're distributing the puck or you're making plays. It's who you're giving it to. I, I don't expect him to have this offensive dynamite game playing on the fourth line. Not because of him. It's just that's it's how just, it is. Yeah, no, for sure. I get it. He has to move up the ladder first. But I just, I just want him to – I'm not saying it tomorrow, but I just want to see him put more points. But you do notice he's played better since he's been off Gallagher's line. Just saying. <laughs> Chris and uh, Ange, what do you uh, what do you want to see? I'd like to see a much higher time on ice for Slapkowski. Funny enough, uh, I just a more aggressive game on his part, um, more time on ice, more shots to the net, and uh, obviously high points. Okay, couldn't ask for more. And I want to see Gouli's time on ice really, really. Like I'd like to see him play like a 25, 26 minute night. Seriously. Bef- sorry, before Ange, you say what you have to say. Chris, you said something that I've, it's been bothering me so much when I watch these games. Slaff is not using his size to his to his advantage. He's not. He, he, I, I know he's probably still getting there and trying to find his game in the NHL, but that guy is full of talent, speed, and he has the size, but he's not using the size. Yesterday there was one moment he was going towards the boards. On the left side, I don't know, whatever, which period it was. was this. Anyways, all this to say, he didn't, he just like, he put a stick out. Like, use your body. Yeah. Like, use your body. You have the size. Rush don't be person. scared to use it. I think he's scared to use his size. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I just don't I see think, him using his size. I think he got a lot of hard knocks uh, so far as the season goes on. It's like, it feels like Suzuki two years ago or once a game, you're just getting put on your ass. But, uh, yeah, he's going to get used to it. That's why I don't think, like, you don't want his ice time to be high. I think 14, 14 and a half minutes should be the plateau right now because I don't think he's physically, even though he's big, he doesn't have that, like, muscular endurance to play a full game with the physicality because it obviously takes a lot more energy with the physicality. And, yeah, he's, I don't say he's soft, like, he... He's not using his body as much, but he does have a really strong stick. Like there's times where he's like he stick lifts or he'll uh, have a, a takeaway, and you're like, you're actually impressed. You're like, oh, he actually got to there, you know, like almost like Doc in a sense. So he has a bit very long, reach. very long reach. Uh, reach. Exactly. Yeah, he has very long reach, and I think I feel like that's all he's using is the reach more than the size. Like those um, again, there was a moment yesterday at the boards, and I, I thought he wasn't gonna get in, but then all you saw was a stick being let out, and he wasn't using the body. But again, that like you said, he's probably not physically ready yet. And uh, yeah, and it's a little scary trend. He, he falls on his ass a lot on his own, kind of like another uh, high draft pick we've had recently. Oh no, <laughs> Mister. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mister Kokaniemi. Yeah, no, but balance does take time, though. I'll, I'll give. Of you course, of course, I'm just saying, time. like. But Kokanyemi, yeah, it just... You know, we were three seasons thinking, ah, Kokanyemi's just got to get stronger on those skates. And And never did. Never happened. He's playing a lot of of minutes in Carolina now. He's playing like 18, 19 minutes a night, but hasn't really produced. But, you know... Going back, I just want to go back to a little little thing about Slavkovsky on that matter. I said aggressiveness. The guy is always laughing, smiling, cracking jokes. Like, uh, we love that. But on the ice, they need to, like, cage him for a few hours before the game. Maybe, like, zap him a little bit, you know, get him a little bit riled up, get him a little bit frustrated. I think you'll get a lot more uh, uh, physical production out of him if they do. (laughs) Yeah, the the leadership leadership in the room have to take care of that because, yeah, his attitude's a bit – you know when he would have when he happy. scored his goal when he scored his goal that he was yelling in the guy's face like someone on the bench must have talked to him say can't do that you know like yeah he'll learn he'll like learn. yeah we have Jack guy but uh, you know he's not gonna be there on the ice uh, the whole game you know I I just got a PTSD moment when uh, Chris just said he's always smiling didn't we say that about KK when he first started the guy had that smile and he was always smiling and just like when you said that I'm like oh no please not another KK but it's that European laissez-faire attitude happy uh, doesn't always work true guys uh, oh wait one more question before we wrap it up I don't think this question has been asked in our podcast yet if it was shoot me now please Um, because I probably wasn't paying attention which I always do but anyways 
the the retro jerseys. What do you guys think of it? No one, I haven't. We haven't spoken about it. What do you guys think? I, I don't like them personally. I don't you know. I, I don't. Lost opportunity. Lost yeah. opportunity. There's no red. Where the hell? If they just added the red, like red touches, it was as a so it was nicer. a prototype. The red on the on the sleeves was there first, and then they removed it. Already ten times better with the prototype. I don't understand their logic. We're not the Leafs. More red, less blue. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, but that's the whole reverse. It has to be the opposite, right? So I don't mind. I love that color. Like it's similar to the uh, the Penguins third jerseys that they used to have. Like I love those jerseys. So. It's Expo's blue. It's a bit of homage, you know. Like hey, the, uh, it's very kids. simple. It's cookie cutter, but uh, you know, it's gonna be for a couple of games. It's to sell to the kids. Where guys hate to break it to you, but we're not the target market for those things. No, we're not. <laughs> but you know uh, what? yeah, you said it. It's for the kids because, to be honest, when they did this retro jersey, it bothered me at first because, to me, compared to the other teams in the league, to me, the Habs logo and jersey is history it's historic there's 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 a meaning behind it you don't touch that you don't touch things like that you know and when you start making changes i get like i'm like no why why you know but when i keep looking at that jersey there's something about it like i guess you said it uh, and the expos feel and like i miss the expos and i guess that's what i why i'm starting to it's starting to grow on me but again this is something for the kids it's for the young generation to spend the money. We're we're not going to be the ones running to the store and buying it. It's more the the the, the young generation that's going to go buy that. Jersey. Just like Chris loves the RBC patch. Yeah, <laughs> and the episode. No, right okay, now. I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing the mic, all. all I'm noticing all the teams are doing that right now. All the home jerseys have. But that's what it is. Everyone's going to do it. Uh, it's a marketing thing now. It's something they get mad at for a week, and like, what are you going to do? Hey, in in about a year or two's time, Chris every Chris is freaking out. His every eyes team's going to do how, it. How did we put it on our home jerseys and not our away jerseys? How? At least at home, the beautiful red, like popping out on the ice. But that's what I'm Why saying. By next year, it's have... gonna. By next year, it's gonna be on the away jersey. It's gonna be on the practice jersey. It's gonna be on the yeah. t-shirt you buy at the sports we're, expert. It's gonna yeah, be everywhere. Gonna, right? The generation of the, the the league is Chris. It shows you how much much soccer because uh, and you know and, and like even as fans, we want the cap to go up. The cap to go up. These are revenue These are ways, yeah, drivers yeah, to get the cap up to make more super teams. It's gonna be better for the sport Chris, overall. If you tell me we have the ugliest jerseys for the rest of the NHL history, but we're gonna be the best team every time we wear them, bring me the ugliest jerseys. I don't care. Yeah, don't as long as they don't touch the logo. That's that's yes, the icon is the logo. Yeah. The I colors, the design has changed over the years. The logos remained largely intact. I think that's the history. It comes more from uh, the logo. Because remember, uh, it, you know, I forget which year, those barber jerseys. Like, remember the centennial year? Like, all those jerseys that we used to have, they broke that red, le blanc, rouge uh, mold, right. like, many, many times. And we're the only ones kind of with retro jerseys with not different logos because it's that iconic. We don't use another logo. Every other retro jerseys that other people have have their old you know, logos of the 80s, even, 90s, and before. Yeah, even the Leafs, they, they changed the Leaf a bit, you know, like... We're the only oh, one yeah. that keeps none touch. So, I, as long as we have that... It's, it's, it. The league is growing. It's uh, They want more marketing, more revenue. Look, those those video ads that we're seeing, fucking horrible. It bothers me so much because there's moments where I think my TV is fucking glitching, but it's not that my TV, it's a stupid video advertising. But... This is what it is. We're in it. We're in an era where you know revenue has to go up, and they're gonna market the shit out of everything. So we're gonna see the logos and patches everywhere going forward, Chris. And just watch a football game, and like, are you disappointed at the freaking graphics that are coming at you from every angle? The yeah. uh, State Farm, and the, no one complains. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer, and soccer. The logo, you don't even know it. It's 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 the sponsor. You know, it's the biggest thing on the jersey. Chris, no you want that cap to go up? You know what? This is the way. We need Hughes to have more cap room. Like the guy's dying for more cap. You want it to go up? Stick, this is the way. Well, let's stick the logo on their ass. Stick another logo uh, on their <laughs> head. It off like RBC oh. wants it right in the front to show everybody. That's that's every every face off, every headshot. Punch RBC right. right in the front. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, me there was a moment. I'm gonna tell Simon as as a blooper reel. His eye, Chris's eyes were rolling at one point. He. Angelo was speaking. 
about Harvey Senior. <laughs> Chris going like this, his eyes, no joke, at one point rolled back because he wanted to like lose his mind over the moment. <laughs> guys, good episode. Uh, Angelo, thanks yeah, for coming. Yeah, it was very fun, guys. Thanks for having me again. Hopefully I come back soon. Of course, you're always welcome to be on the show. It was nice to hear your perspective on this and uh, very disappointed that you agreed with Joey about Gallagher. I needed someone else to, to attack <laughs> Gallagher, but wrong guy for this episode to attack Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, thanks for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed being here, but you're always welcome. Guys, to all the listeners out there, once again, thanks for listening to us. Please leave an honest rating on YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want to hear your thoughts. It's only going to make us better. Listen to us on any podcast platform. Watch our beautiful faces on YouTube now. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We have a lot of good content for you guys. And that's it. Until next time, bye now. Bye now. Bye now. Good night. Ciao, guys.